0: Hallelujah! Wow. We're gonna take an offering, but I'm gonna to begin to preach as they're taking up an offering. Can we do that this morning? And and so uh, let's just let's just pray on our giving this morning. God, we do thank you, God, for a new year and uh, a fresh perspective. God, I pray that even as we would give in this first offering of the new year, God, I pray that you would. Expand it and expand your kingdom. God, I pray that you would expand, God, even that which we have, Lord, to to even give more and to do more. God bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this morning is. January one, our text we're going to be in actually we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah in just a moment. But I wanted to wanted to share, and I'll share quickly. It's been a great time thus far. Hopefully, I don't ruin it. Amen. Hey, the worship good. But this morning, I wanted to talk a little bit about vision. I think mean, it's it's. Maybe something we we do on this this day of the year a new year, but it's a it's a great time to reflect and to think about about vision and and what's going forward. A lot of us in here are dreamers, but there's a difference between dream and vision. You know, anyone can have a dream, but a a vision is is a little more focused. A vision is is something that you're not just going to you shouldn't just sit back and go, oh maybe someday that'll happen. Great. That's a dream. But a vision is—it's more focused. It's things that we can participate in coming to pass. We'll talk a little bit about that this morning. We can participate in our planning. We can participate in our actions. Most of all, we can participate in it through prayer, and that's how vision comes to pass. And this morning, I wanted to, to share a little bit about that. And uh, even in our in our time, as as you notice, the the wall has is is painted up here, and I want this to represent vision. For today, We're starting with a blank wall. The only thing on our wall is Jesus. And that's a great place to start with vision. It's a great place to start with vision. We have things from the past maybe that, that have been there, but sometimes we have to shake things up a little bit. This morning when I was at the altar giving up, it's been something over the last just about a week to two weeks that, that I've been realizing that I had to give up and it was uh, uh, some specifics in the vision that God had given me. And there were some specific things that I thought needed to happen and and they were all falling apart. You know, just some spe- some little things that, that were, I thought, part of the big picture. And one by one, they'd been stripped away from me. And I was a little angry. And I was a little hurt. And I was a little discouraged because I thought that was part of the vision. And God was dealing with me saying, no, the vision is true. The things that I've spoken to you, but the parts that you're trying to hold on, release them. Maybe they'll come back together someday. But I had to really give those up and say, okay, Lord, even though it's it's part of what I thought was going to happen, He says, no, I'm going to give them to you this morning. And so that was a really good time. So when we're speaking of vision, sometimes we have to let go of some of the things that we're holding on to and start with that clean wall and say, God, what are you going to help me to put on here? To accomplish my vision, this morning we're starting with just Jesus, and that's the place we need to start with. You know, all of us in here have things that are broken, and some of the things that are broken in, in you is, is your hopes or your dreams or your visions. And this morning we're talking Nehemiah. Now Nehemiah was a prophet who was taken, and he was actually living in captivity. It was a time when Israel had disobeyed the Lord. And they had been taken into captivity. And the Lord had promised, if you don't follow after me, you'll be, you'll be taken into captivity. And Isaiah prophesied about those things. And so Nehemiah comes and he's raised up. And he's, ac- he's actually just a cupbearer uh, for the king. And a-, and a cupbearer in the king's court uh, is a person of influence. And here he was in captivity, but a person of influence, longing to be back at home. Now, you know, we don't have a long time, so I'll go quick. Part of, of the people of, of God had been able to go back to their homes, and they weren't all in captivity. But the, the city, Jerusalem, it was still in ruins, and the walls were broken down, and not everybody was back in, back in Israel. They were actually right now, and Nehemiah was in Susa, a thousand miles away from. Jerusalem, a thousand miles. And word comes to Nehemiah. And w- let's go ahead and read uh, verse 1 here. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah It came to pass in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanai, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped who had survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words, verse 4, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night. For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray. Grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. That's Nehemiah 1, and, and Pastor Jesse, with a great, great scripture, 1-1. In fact, I wish there was 12 verses, then it could have been 1-1 through 12. But ne- Nehemiah he was a hope-filled visionary he was in captivity and he hears the word coming back that the, that the, the people were in reproach and the walls were torn down and he begins to immediately turn his heart towards god and he begins to get a vision for what could be the walls restored and he began to pray and we're going to talk about the different things that he does And let it be a guide for us as we go and say, God, what is your vision? Help me to know the vision you have for me. God, help the vision that I already know is in there come to life. Help it to to come to fruition as we would follow even Nehemiah's example as a great leader and visionary. 500 years before the time of Christ is when this happened. But the discipline was coming to an end and, and some of the people were going back. You know, Nehemiah had... He was a place in, in in honor, really, as the king's cupbearer, but it was also a dangerous place. The cupbearer was the food taster also. He would taste the food and bear the cup and make sure that everything that came to the king wasn't poisoned. And I guess if you die, your job's over and the king lives. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you get a raise at that point or not. <laughs> but Nehemiah, he he happened to be in the right place at the right time. He was in a, in a place that had influence with the king he didn't plan that but God used him even as God used Esther God put him in a place the cupbearer so that he could go to the king and begin to ask for things which was a very bold move on his part but so bad news comes from Jerusalem the walls are flattened the gates are burned down and the morale is low but Nehemiah cared so much about God and the glory of God and the representation of the city that he put his life on the line he began to get a vision and he, and, he, and he begins to march forward. There's ruin, it says, and reproach instead of a magnificent city that Jerusalem once was. It was in shambles. And God, Nehemiah really felt that as long as the city was, was in waste, that really God was being dishonored. And so he wanted that to change. His heart was, was going out and he began to get a good, big, huge vision a thousand miles away. You remember if he if he goes there he's going to walk, so a thousand miles is is Texas. It's uh, thirteen hundred to where Suzanne's going, so there's three hundred miles, and that's the distance that he was going to go and help to rebuild the walls. But Nehemiah was concerned of what was happening. I believe a God ordained vision, a vision from God, begins as a concern. It's, it's outward. It's a concern about something that's going on. And God can birth a vision through being concerned. And Nehemiah was concerned about the state of affairs in Jerusalem. God's, I believe that God calls us to serve and, and meet a need. And he gives us a vision to do it. But vision is, is really, it's going to be outward. A God vision is not going to be about self-focused. It's going to be, he's going to use us to meet some other need. Is not going to be here. We have to really care. And that's something that we're fighting against in this day and age caring for your neighbor, caring for those around you. George Bernard Shaw, he said, The worst sin toward our fellow creature is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. That's the essence of inhumanity. To be indifferent boy, in this day and age, and my, my cell phone's over there, You know, we went to Magic Mountain and it was so weird to be in a group of people and everybody looking at their phone, even at an amusement park. And you go, what is this? Nobody cares about anybody else. When you go into stores, we were, I was having a conversation with someone, it feels like everyone's in their bubble. And you just kind of scoot by them and you shop and nobody says anything. We're, we're beginning to live this. We need to be, look out, begin to care about the needs around us. Let's not be indifferent. That's where God's going to begin to birth a vision. Get your eyes off of yourself and look out at the needs around you. Now, we can get overwhelmed because we can't meet them all, but God will begin to birth something inside of us. We have to see the ruin that lies around. So, as we, as we go, a vision, they're talking about a visionary person, he sees the need. He sees the need around him. Nehemiah saw the need. He saw the walls were crumbling. He says, I've got to be a part of that. A visionary person, he also feels the need. He doesn't just see the need, but he feels the need. And that becomes a different, a next step in our, our dealings with people. You know, I see needs all the time, but every once in a while they really hit me in the heart. You have compassion, it's a next step. And a visionary person will feel the need. He'll feel the, the responsibility for something to take place more than just, oh, that would be great if that happened. And how many times has that been? You oh, You see and you go, I can do that, but, but you've never connected emotionally. A visionary person, a real vision, is going to begin to get connected inside of us in an emotional way. We have to look within ourselves. Look within ourselves to see that. Let's read verse 4 again. So it was, when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah knew how to weep. knew how to weep with others. and something you may have to learn to actually break down a, a hard heart and a callousness that we build up because we've been hurt before. But begin to really weep with others and see their need and feel their need. Become... Empathetic towards them. And not just sympathetic, but empathetic where we can feel their needs. It's one, it's one thing to know about, about something else, it's, about, it's another to feel it. It's another to feel what somebody else is going through or feel the burden and the pressure in your own heart that something has to happen. Visions are born in the soul of a man or woman who is consumed with the tension between what is. And what could be? Visions are born in the soul of a man or a woman who is consumed with the tension between what is and what could be. There's something, we see it the way it is, but we go, no, but it can be better. It can be different. And, the, and, and it begins to consume somebody who's a visionary. says, no, we're not going to just go in status quo any longer. We're going to move forward. There's a tension and it drives visionaries. So the question for this is, what makes you pound the table in anger? What makes you weep? What things get you stirred up? For others. Nehemiah wasn't the only one to weep over Jerusalem either. Now many years later, Jesus would sit and weep over the sad state of affairs. A third thing a person sees the need a person with vision sees the need a person with vision he feels the need but a person of vision he has to he has to share the need he has to share the need and he has to share it with God we have to we have to look out to those around us to see it we have to look inward to feel it but we have to look up look up to God and share the need with him Otherwise, it becomes our own vision and not just a, and not a godly vision there are good visions and there is God visions We need to tap into the God visions. We read, and most of what we read, was Nehemiah praying out to God, letting him know the condition, letting him know his heart request. God, I cry out to You. That needs to be our our cry as you're saying, Lord, restore the vision, or ignite a vision, or give me a vision. It needs to be birthed in, in these things and in prayer saying, okay, God, I see the things and the need and what's going on. And Now, Lord Jesus, I can't do this. Give me your heart. Give me your passion. Here's the need. Here's what's going on. And begin to cry out to Him. In the NIV, Isaiah 62, 6 and 7, it says, You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give Him no rest until He establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Press in in prayer. Go, pray, pray, pray for many days. Seek God. A God vision is not going to be something you just say, oh God, I hope this happens and you move on your merry way. It's going to be birthed in prayer. It's going to be a lot of prayer going to Him. This message is so fresh because this is where God is bringing me. Right now, I'm, I'm right in the middle of God. Refresh the vision and help me to see the things that you have. Bring the pieces together. And the part that I'm missing the most right now is prayer. So it's, it gets easy to see the need sometimes and even feel it, but, but I need to spend more time and that's the conviction that I have. I'm just being open it is to, just to begin more and more and more just to pray and pray and pray and look up. I've looked out. I've looked in and my heart, breaks for, my heart breaks for what's happening in Big Bear. We need to see revival. We need to see people coming to salvation built up and discipled. I'm so tired of seeing Christians come into a church and leave or even stay and never have a real change in their life. Never make, a, never make that commitment. And, and they're still racked in sin. My heart's going out, but nothing is going to change until I pray. Give myself no rest. That prayer is going to help the vision mature inside of you. As you pray about it, God's going to bring maturity in that vision. It's not going to just be light. It's not going to be something young. It's going to be birthed through that prayer. It's going to be a mature vision. I believe the other thing that happens as we pray is that God prepares and works on us for the fulfillment of the vision. You have to be prepared and ready for the fulfillment of the vision. Nehemiah spent, spent time and he didn't just just jump in there and all of a sudden leave. He he actually prayed and and waited for about a 100 days. And it could have been longer case, because there's there's some every uh, there's sometimes 13 months in the Jewish calendar, but there is at least 3 months if not 4 months that he waited after he heard the word and he began to prepare and plan in order to execute it well. Look up. Your vision will always exceed your ability. If your vision doesn't exceed your ability, it's not a God vision. God's got to be involved. It's going to be supernatural. Supernatural. Prayer keeps the burden fresh. Keeps us looking to Him and looking forward. Don't let the vision grow cold. Look up. Nehemiah's prayer was visionary. Verse 5. I pray, Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. He exalts God. His prayer exalts God in the beginning. And we need to be in those those places constantly where we exalt God. He goes in and He begins to change. And this is my desire that I'm always this way, that I'm able to admit my sin and my shortcomings. Verse 6 begins to change and He begins to confess. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. He admits his sin. As we go to God, we need to just come and say, God, I've blown it. I'm a failure. And list those things out and say, God, but you have a vision. You have something bigger. Forgive me, but don't let my sin fall in the way and get in the way of the vision that you've set in front of me. Confess your sin. In prayer, Nehemiah does this and it's, it's even been something that I've, I've struggled with going, wow, is this okay? But I see it over and over in the Bible. He goes over the truth and reminds God of His promises. Sometimes it feels a little arrogant to me. God, but You said... But if the Word says it, He just reminds him. He reminds him of His own Word. Verse 8. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. And he reminds, God, you said this. I'm standing on your word. I I think one of the reasons we do that, I believe that one of the reasons we do that is, is not to remember, remind God like you forgot. But it also builds our faith to say, God, you promised this to me. And I'm standing on your promise. I'm, standing, I'm going to stand in faith because you said it was, was there. Review the truth. It's going to help you to go forward and catch that vision. If God has given you a vision and truth to accomplish, and you remind Him and stand on those things and remind the Lord. And then for some of us, the next part he does is asks for help. And that's hard for some of us. O Lord, I pray, verse 11, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. Let your servant prosper this day. Grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Okay, God, I'm going in and here's the thing. This vision is now beyond me because on my own, this is not going to happen. I'm going to go ask for money. I'm going to go ask for a a leaf of absence. I'm going to go ask for people to come and help. I'm going to ask for some of the wood to go rebuild a place that your fathers burned and destroyed. He doesn't have a lot of hope in this, in the natural. But his vision exceeded him. And he says, God, I need your help. Why should He give in to any any of my requests unless you move on Him? Request that help. Be a person of prayer. Remember that we always have to lift Him up. Exalt Him. Worship Him. Praise Him. Confess our sins. Remind Him of His promises. Remind yourself of His promises. And ask. You know, God is a God of love and grace and mercy. And if He is willing to allow the discipline, the negative things that we look at as to come to pass, they were exiled because of their disobedience. If God allowed that, but as a God of love and mercy and justice, how much more will He allow the blessings to come back? I mean, and He allows us to be taken off into captivity sometimes. Some of you have been ta- were taken off into captivity of sin And He allows that. I I wish He didn't, but He does because He's given us free will. How much more will He bless those who do His will and come back to Him because He's a God of love and mercy. He wants to chase you down and bless you and give you the things if we heed His voice. He will allow His vision inside of us to come to pass in incredible, awesome ways. So we share our our need with God, and we also need to share it with people, the people next to us. Let other people become part of the vision that God is birthing inside. Don't keep it all wrapped up. Because one of the things that can happen is you keep that vision only to yourself is it could become a, an idol. It can also become something that you can brag about. Keep all the glory when the vision comes to pass and say, look, look what I, well, look what I accomplished. Share the need. And we're, we're sitting in a body of people where we can share the, the, the vision. Share the vision. In verse 11, it says, Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name. There were other people praying about this vision of restoring the walls. Let other people know. Let them come and pray. If, if, you, if you've got a vision, if God's given you a vision tell others and say, come and pray with me and rejoice with me and share the need. Mm. Person with vision, he also meets the need. He shares the need, but then he meets the need. Nehemiah did that second part of verse 11 says make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man he left a prominent place a secure place he was the king's cupbearer as long as no one tried to poison the king he was going to have a good life but he risked it and he left it all he sacrificed the things that he had to go and meet the need Vision requires that. A willingness to sacrifice. A willingness to walk away from maybe some of the things that are easy and embrace the things that are difficult to meet the need. But it's not that hard because when you have a God vision, remember that you saw a need, but you felt the need. And when you really have compassion and passion inside in your heart, you're willing to sacrifice. Another sign that the vision that you have hasn't give, given birth enough is if you're not willing to to sacrifice for it. Go back and pray and say, God, birth this deeper. Because when you're passionate about something, you're willing to to do anything to accomplish it. Look beyond yourself and meet the need. Romans 12 encourages us to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. When God gives you a vision, be willing to say, I'm going to sacrifice my own desires to accomplish the thing that You've sat out in front of me. Your vision might be to to be a good father, mother, grandmother, grandfather, a good employee, a good boss. In order to do anything, those things, you have to sacrifice a lot. Give it up to Him. Meet the need. Do what it takes to meet the need because you've seen it and you've felt it. You've prayed about it. Someone said that prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven, but getting God's will done on the earth. But for God's will to be done on earth, He needs people to be available to Him. We can't just pray, "Let your your kingdom come and your will be done on earth," and then not be part of that answer. Recently, I I I was challenged by a, a statement, and I'll challenge you with the same statement. You cannot be pro life unless you're pro adoption. How can you be? How, how can you not be? You, you want people to give birth to these babies who are going to grow up in horrible homes, but you won't adopt, take care, meddles with you. We need to be open to meeting the need all around us. A person with vision meets the need. He's in the arena, acting out. He's the one who gets the credit. I think it was Teddy Roosevelt. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who strives valiantly, who spends himself for a worthy cause, who, at the best, knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who, at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. Don't be apathetic, don't be in the middle. Get in there. Begin be willing to be used. Be willing to get out there and actually have action to the vision that God has given you. Otherwise, your vision is nothing more than a dream. And and I have some fun dreams. You know, those are those are, those are fun but they're not visions. I'm doing nothing to see them accomplished. You might be entering a sweepstakes hoping you'll win the dream house or or whatever it might be, and that's just a dream. It's not a vision. There's nothing you can do to accomplish that dream. But a vision is something that you can take part of and it's going to require these things. Seeing the need, seeing it, feeling it, asking God for help, praying, sharing it with others. A lot of people seem hopeless today. Their their hope is gone. They've lost their way. I think they've lost their vision. They've lost their vision. And they're just meandering through this life and they have nothing to live for beyond the next day and just get through today. Proverbs 29.18 says, where there is no vision... People cast off restraint. Why do people run amok and do the things that they do? Because they have no vision for their life. They have no vision of something different and so they give in to whatever comes their way. They have no restraint to keep them focused. But people who've succeeded, and not just in the Christian world, but people who've succeeded had a vision that they went out and they fought for. And they restrained themselves from running here and there, I heard of a story of a of a young of a young man who had a vision, and he had a vision to start up a great company. And it was Pastor Andy Stanley shared this in in, in a book I'm reading. And this this man, he was a contrast. He drove like a 1971 Impala, but he dressed GQ. Expensive tie, beautiful clothes, everything in place and immaculate. He worked for a company who made him dress nice. He didn't want the nice car because the company didn't care what car he drove. He had to dress a certain way. He sacrificed. They drove old cars. They lived in small homes. They saved. They scrimped. He had a vision of life being different financially, of, of being uh, having a company, a startup company that would make it He was a believer. And after 11 years of living that way, restrained, old cars, small houses, not going out to eat much, he never has to worry about money again. He had a vision. He was willing to sacrifice. And he made it. Without a vision, the people cast off restraint. But with a vision, it gives us hope. Because the vision I'm talking about this morning is a God vision. What is it that God has been showing you? What is it that He had showed you? can that thing be rebirthed again? Was it of God? If it's not of God, let's paint the wall. Put the cross on your wall of vision and say, God, give me a fresh vision. I don't want to walk aimlessly any longer, but I know that You have a purpose for my life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future to prosper you. If some of your visions are died, let's pray them back to life and say, God, is this a God vision or is it a good vision? Because I don't want to settle for the good. I want to settle for God. And if it's not a God vision, then I'll wipe my slate clean and say, show it to me, and I will passionately pursue it. And our hope is going to be found in Him revealing that to us through the Word and knowing that what He's promised us will come true. There is hope. There is hope in Him. It's connected to the vision that we have. As a body... As individuals, as a family, in your workplace, he needs to stir these things up. As a body, we're going to begin to share more and more the vision that we we're moving forward to reach Big Bear one by one through our life groups. Not just having—we don't want numbers of people just get saved. We want to see disciples, people who who get out of the drugs and the alcohol and the mundane way of living. I have a vision for Big Bear that's so beyond me. When God showed me 23 years ago a flood of light pouring into this valley, I was up praying at Baldwin Mine. And I looked out and we prayed and God showed me uh, like a light being poured out of a jar. And it filled up Baldwin Lake and went over into Big Bear Lake and it began to fill up so... And it was the glory of Jesus Christ the glory of God filled this place and it filled so high that it went over Highway 18 and went over the dam and it began to fill because people had prayed and the glory of God fell. I can't accomplish any of that. But God's setting it up and putting a vision in place that we can reach the lost and disciple those and help them to grow and get victory. What's your vision? What's God doing? Is it stirred up? Let's make those prayers. Let's begin to do what Nehemiah did and pray and pray and pray. Father God, we need hope and that hope is in You, God, and it's part of the vision You have for us as believers. God, we need some God vision. We need to be stirred up. We need to remember and use Nehemiah as our guide. Help us to be willing to risk. Help us to be willing to pray. Help us to be willing to wait, Lord God. Wait on You. And Lord, when the time comes, not prematurely, God, help us to be willing and ready to act. Be willing to do the things that You call us to do to see the God vision accomplished in our life. Lord, I pray that we would be people of restraint. Help us to be focused on the things that you show us. God, stir it up this morning. Lord, I know that there are people this morning who, this this message is even out of their reach. They're just, they're feeling hopeless this morning. God, I pray right now, supernaturally, ignite their heart. God, I pray right now, supernaturally, that you would breathe life back into them. God, even as in the valley of bones, can the dry bones of these lives, these hopes, these visions live? God, only You know. Breathe life. Let the bones come together. Let that which seems dead come to life for those in this room this morning who are feeling lifeless. And begin, let them begin to grab onto something new and fresh God we thank you that in you is life and hope and victory bring us along other people it's my final part of the prayer God that would encourage us bring us to those that would pray for us and love us and encourage us and speak life and victory and not death. God, I pray that you would remove those people who are speaking life and, or speaking death over us. God, remove them from our until you would bring them to be life speakers and givers. We need your hope, we need your vision. We bless your name. We thank you that today is a new day. It's a new year. Old things are gone, they're passed away, and we embrace what you're doing today in Jesus' name. Amen.